I want to thank y'all for that song, and let me tell you why. I've been sitting here all this morning saying, Lord, please don't let me look like I'm tired when I stand up there, and I'm not excited about what I'm doing and about the sermon. Because if I'm not excited, why should you guys be excited? I'm supposed to be your leader. Is that not right? And I thought about many of you guys have been at Revival uh, every night this past week, and I know that you worked, you had all these other responsibilities. I know you've got to be tired. I'm tired too. And I looked over at Gilda playing the piano. And Gilda, I remember when I moved up here, I saw an album cover. When you first started singing with the group, it was a Personaires, is that right? And you were a teenager, so that's been at least 20 years ago, hadn't it? <laughs> y'all awake out there, at least, at least 20 years. And I thought about y'all just keep on going. And you know, that's what we got to do. We get tired, but we're going to ask God for strength. Um, and we're going to ask him that he's going to keep energizing our church. Um, many churches are opting out of revivals. I'm not saying we're better than they are. But folks, we're going to get out of something what we put into it. And uh, last week was very tiring, I'm sure, for many of you. And um, I just pray that we'll just keep on doing the Lord's work. He's going to bless and use it. And uh, he's going to bring in a harvest for his honor and glory, not for ours. And that's what's so important. So if I don't seem as enthusiastic today, folks, I'm, I'm like you. I'm just tired. But let's look into the word. Let's pray together, okay? Father, I am so grateful that you are the giver of strength. And I pray, Lord, not only for the physical strength in these moments as we worship and as we attend Sunday school, but, God, I pray for strength throughout each week that we would lift high the name of Jesus. Lord, help us that in all the many activities and the responsibilities that we have that we'll not forget that our main purpose and focus is to worship you. And, Lord, we thank you again that as we gather in your house, your spirit is here. We thank you, Father, that the power of the Spirit will speak to our hearts as we are obedient and as we listen. And, Lord, I'm grateful that what happens this morning is not dependent upon me and my energy and my enthusiasm, but, Lord, it's dependent upon our obedience to your Son. And I just thank you that he's here and he wants to make himself known. Father, continue to teach us about the use of the tongue and, Lord, as we conclude this study, I just pray, Father, that we've been given direction and we've been given strength from the Word of God to use our tongues in a godly way. In Jesus' name, amen. For four Sundays, we talked about the ungodly use of the tongue out of James chapter 3. And, folks, I'm not going to recap those four sermons, but we found out something about the tongue that we already knew, and that is... The tongue can be a powerful instrument for ungodly things. That in the words of James, our tongues can be set on fire from hell. And we can get into a lot of trouble with our ungodly use of the tongue. But two weeks ago and today, and hopefully we'll just finish this up tonight, we've been talking about the godly use of the tongue. So let me read again from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. And again, these verses will be on the screen. Follow with me in your own copy of the scriptures as I read them off the screen. Let's do that now. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may speak it clear as I ought to speak. 
Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you about my affairs. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother who is one of yourselves, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. Two weeks ago, we pointed out that in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9, Paul points to four important ministries of the tongue or speech. We've already studied the first two. In verses 2 and the first part of verse a, uh, verse 3, Paul says that with our tongues we can pray. What a great ministry that is. Now, all of us know that all prayer is not spoken out loud, but with our tongues we can pray, and that is a tremendous ministry as we pray for ourselves, as we pray for others. A second ministry of the tongue is found in the latter part of verse 3 and verse 4, proclaiming the word of God. And Paul was busy about doing that. You and I need to be busy about sharing the word of God. This morning, we're going to look at the third ministry of the tongue, and that is witnessing to the lost. Let me read again verse 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Folks, you and I need to understand that the tongue can be one of the greatest instruments of witness for the Lord. And when I say that the tongue can be used to witness to the lost, folks, I am not talking simply. Now, these two things are great, but I'm not talking about Tuesday night or Thursday night visitation or explaining the plan of salvation or the Roman road or how to have peace with God. Those things are very, very important, and hopefully and prayerfully we would use our tongues in those ways. But, folks, this morning what I am talking about is how you and I are witnessing to a lost world every day. Now, you might not picture yourself standing in a pulpit preaching a sermon, but by the words that we choose and the words that we say, we are proclaiming the Lord Jesus or we are denouncing the Lord Jesus each and every day. And folks, we have a powerful ability through speech to bear witness to the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in verse 5 and 6. He says, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders. I love the way the King James translates that. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And then Paul says in verse 6, let your speech always be gracious. Again, the King James, let your speech be always with grace. Well, folks, what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that as Christians, our walk and our talk must be in harmony with each other. Our conduct and speech work together, making a powerful, powerful witness. And folks, sometimes we do the talking without doing the walking, and it destroys the witness that we hope that we have, or it waters it down. So I want you to notice what Paul is saying in these two verses. 
First of all, in verse 5, Paul says, toward outsiders or toward them that are without. Now, folks, Paul is not saying, and he is not expressing the idea that as Christians, we are better than others, especially those that are not yet born into the kingdom of God. But what Paul is trying to point out, it is God's desire to use every one of us, every believer, every Christian, every person who names the name of Christ to bring the lost into the family of God. And folks, listen to these verses in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. In Matthew 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I've shared this with you before. I'm going to do it again, probably often. But when I was in seminary, and I cannot remember who the professor was, but he was speaking of that passage of Scripture where Jesus said, You are the light of the world. And he said that perhaps Jesus was teaching his disciples late one evening as it began to get dark. And you and I know that there was no type of lighting system in that world like it is in ours. You and I, unless there's a power failure, everywhere we go, we're going to see light. It is everywhere. But in Jesus' day, there was not that man-made lighting except for candles at night. And, and it's thought that Jesus might have been out in a, in a rural area and it was dark or beginning to get dark and off in a distance was a home or a city set on a hill and many of the cities were on the hills for defensive purposes. But the least bit of flicker of light in that darkness would shine out so brightly. And folks, you and I know that we're living in such a dark world, but folks, the light of Jesus Christ is amplified in our lives in this dark world. And the Lord is trying to say to you and I, we are going to witness to others not by thinking that we're better than they are because we name the name of Christ or because we profess Christianity or because we're a member of a Baptist church, but because the light of Jesus is living through us even in our walking, even in our talking. And so Jesus here is trying to get them to look out for what they say and how they walk and what they do. Why? Because someone is always watching us. And so he says, as Christians, we are to conduct ourselves wisely. We are to walk in wisdom. And I believe what Jesus is trying to say through Paul is this. Nothing in our daily lives should jeopardize our testimony. And folks, again, it all falls back. Is our tongue being used for the purposes of hell or for the purposes of heaven? I read the story of, of, a, of a minister from years gone by who was a very well-known pastor throughout the country, and he was called to a great church down in Atlanta, Georgia, and because of his position, because of his fame, many did not like him. And so one of the wealthier men in that city hired a private detective to follow the pastor, hoping that he could find something. Look, I'm not telling y'all to do that, okay? But hoping that he could find, y'all wake up and stay with me, all right? Hoping that he could find something bad in this man's character, in this man's conduct. 
And after several weeks of following the pastor, the pastor's conduct was so Christ-like that the private detective became a Christian. Folks, listen. If a private detective followed each one of us, looking at our actions, listening to our speech, would they become a Christian? And folks, in reality, we have got a lot of people that are watching every move that we make every day, every word of speech. They're analyzing, saying, are they really living and professing what they believe? Folks, you and I need to understand that what we say and the things that we do can destroy our personal testimony because the entire world is watching us. And people outside the doors of this church, you know, it absolutely amazes me that people that never show up at this church can tell you what's going on here, especially if there's a problem. Have you noticed that? It just amazes me sometimes. I have to hold my tongue back. I want to tell them, if you're so concerned about what's going on down here, and if you know how to do it better, why don't you just come down here and do it and show us? But I remember... That's not the way to win people to Christ. By our love for one another and our love for them and our conduct and the godly use of our tongue, they'll be drawn to the Lord. And the second thing that Paul says in verse 5, making the most of the time. In the King James it says, redeeming the time. Folks, this is a very important concept because in that day, redeeming the time was a commercial term. And it meant to be ready when an opportunity came as a business person. Now, how many of us, and I'm not knocking this, okay, because all of us are looking for bargains. But how many of us would seize the opportunity to get a bargain? I'm not knocking going to yard sales, okay? But how many of you went to yard sales yesterday? And that's fine. And you were looking for what? An opportunity to find a bargain. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, folks, what's wrong with seizing the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ? What is wrong with seizing the opportunity to share a word of witness concerning the Lord? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. And this is going to be out of the Living Bible. Now, I want to tell you something. I know the original context of this. Paul is speaking to Timothy, whom he has used as one of the men, the pastor churches that he had helped establish. And I know that so often you hear this passage of Scripture read when someone is ordained into the ministry. But folks, every single one of us are ministers for Christ. Is that not right? Maybe you're not ordained. Maybe you don't have reverend in front of your name. Maybe you don't pastor a church. But folks, this word is applicable to every one of us. And listen to what Paul says. To preach the word of God urgently at all times. Whenever you get the chance, in season and out, when it is convenient and when it is not. And listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, reverence Christ as Lord. 
Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. And folks, I think there's some implications here that we need to understand. First of all, God will give us the opportunity to share a word about him. Please, I'm not asking you to pattern yourself after me because I'm a poor pattern, and I know that. But, you know, I think I've said this before. One of the places that I'm finding is a good way to witness is on the elevator. Have you ever noticed that people speak to you when you get on the elevator? It's an uncomfortable position, isn't it? You've never seen a person before, and, and they come in, and you don't know how long the ride's going to be, and everybody looks at you when you walk in. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that you look at people when they walk into the elevator? It's a good way to say good morning, good afternoon. Somebody's going to say something about the weather. You know what I love to say? The Lord's showing off, isn't he? Especially on a beautiful, beautiful day. The Lord's showing off. I don't know if that touches base with anybody, but I hope it lets them know that I believe in the Lord and I believe that he's the creator. Folks, that's one of the beginning steps. If that little seed can be planted in our minds that, that God is our creator and that, that we're given all these blessings from him and that we're ultimately responsible to him, that we didn't develop out of a big cosmic boom. Folks, I, I'm saying that there's a lot of opportunities that we can name the name of Christ without being threatening to somebody. And I believe that they'll respond in a hospital uh, situation so often. And again, I've told you this, having my clergy ID tag on, which is something that I don't wear to show off, but something that's necessary in hospitals now. If people see that I'm a minister, people I've never seen before and will never see again will say to me, will you pray for my wife, my, my husband, my father, my mother, my children, my grandchildren. Folks, there is opportunities to share. It might not be the plan of salvation. It might be just a brief contact. But let me ask you something. If people heard you cuss on the elevator or say something out of character with what a Christian should say, and I'm just using the elevator as an example, and what I'm saying, just even in a, a quick moment of time, would they not doubt your Christianity? If they saw me with a clergy tag and I was saying some stuff I should not say, what do you think they would think about me? Folks, I'm simply saying we need to seize the opportunities to be a witness by the way that we speak. And listen to what Paul also says, let your speech also be gracious. King James again, let your speech be always with grace. This is speech that points to Christ and glorifies him, just like Lee was talking about earlier. You remember what we read in Matthew 12, 34, as we began this study, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks Listen, before our speech can be gracious, Christ's grace must fill our hearts. And when God's grace fills our hearts and flows from our lips, then we will have victory over lying, over judging, over gossiping, over slandering, and over filthy talk. Let me just, let me just give you some passages of Scripture. And, and, and folks, what I'm trying to point out to is having Christ-like speech. In Luke chapter 4, verse 22, and this will be on the screen. And this is back, of course, when Jesus was, was beginning his ministry. 
And all spoke well of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Folks, not only did they recognize that there was something about Jesus because of his ability to perform miracles and heal sick and cast out demons, but even by the words that proceeded out of his mouth were words filled with grace. Should we be surprised at that? John 1.14, John says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Folks, if we're going to be like Jesus, then our mouths will be full of grace. In Psalms 45.2, which is a, a messianic psalm, and some of the scripture that deals with the crucifixion of Jesus comes from that passage of Scripture. But in that Scripture, it says, Grace is poured upon your lips. Now, folks, there were moments when Jesus had to speak in, in pointing out the sins of others. But it can be truly said that Jesus always spoke with grace, with love, forgiveness, and with truth. Can that be said of us? Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying. Edifying means building up. So often we're tearing down with the words that come out of our mouths rather than building up. But Paul says, But only as is good for edifying, as fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to those who hear. In Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. And folks, here's what I'm trying to say. Our speech should be modeled after Christ's speech. And our speech should minister grace to others. And the fourth thing that Paul says in these words is our speech is to be seasoned with salt. Again, thank you, Lee, for what you said earlier. In Paul's day, salt was a preservative, meaning our speech is to be pure and our speech is to be helpful to others. I told you before about the man in seminary who thought that uh, Jesus saying, you're the salt of the earth, he thought because salt was an irritant that we ought to go around irritating other people all the time. I've seen a lot of Christians like that. I've seen a lot of people like that. And they irritated you every word they used that came forth from their mouth. But back to Ephesians 4.29, Paul says, let no evil talk come out of your lives. As I was reading this passage of Scripture, one of the commentaries I was reading uh, reminded me of something that I'd forgotten. That back in the book of Leviticus, when people were making sacrifices to the Lord, salt was added. That just magnified that sacrifice a little bit more to the Lord. And folks, I believe that Paul is saying that our words should be considered sacrifices to God. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Look at this verse. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Folks, you and I need to be reminded 
that even the words that we choose in our speech portrays praise and acknowledgement of God and even committing our speech over to the Lord as a way of worshiping him. Isn't that amazing? So here's what Paul is saying. As Christians, we are not to be harsh, rude, arrogant in our speech, but in Christ-like humility and love be a witness of Christ by our speech. Let me get you to pause and search your memory banks for just a second. Do you remember that first person that, that really you connected with and you saw that they were a Christian? Think just, just a minute. This might not mean anything to you. Think about that first person that you ever connected with that you knew they were a Christian and they wanted you to know the Lord too. What type of character did that person have? What type of speech did they use? You see, folks, you and I truly choose our speech. If it's filthy, if it's angry, if it's harsh, if it's arrogant, if it's degrading, gossiping, slandering, that's a choice we made. But if our speech is Christ-like, it comes because we chose to subject our tongue and our minds and most especially our hearts to the Lord. And when our speech, when our character, when our conduct are working together to give glory to Christ, it becomes a powerful, powerful, powerful witness. So I pray this week that as we venture about our daily activities, that we would remember we're witnessing to people whether we perceive it or not. We're preaching a sermon to others whether we perceive that or not, whether that's our intention, because even as they hear us talk and they see us walk, we're either being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, or we're taking away from the Lord Jesus Christ. May our speech, may our conduct give praise and honor to him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this portion of scripture. Fathers, it challenges us to use our tongues in a godly way, as it challenges us, Lord, to use our tongues to pray and to proclaim the word of God and the witness, Lord, I just pray that we'll yield our tongues, our hearts, our minds to you, and that truly we would be a light in a dark world. Bless us in these moments of invitation. I pray that if there are decisions that need to be made public this day, I pray that if there are those that need to come and simply bow at the altar and get something straight with you, or even stand in their seat and get something straight with you, Lord, I just pray that you'll help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen.